Hello, fellow travelers. This is David Woods, your host and trusted guide. Welcome to our little fellowship as we gather to discuss the Christian life in a post-Christian world. We are broadcasting from Babylon with love. In the beginning, God planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put Adam and Eve. Soon after, Satan entered the garden and spread the first conspiracy theory. A conspiracy theory explains an event or set of circumstances as the result of a secret plot, usually by powerful conspirators. Satan convinced Eve that the most powerful of conspirators, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, were secretly trying to keep the first humans from having their eyes opened in a way that would make them, quote, like God, knowing good and evil. Eve became the first in a long line from Gnostics to Flat Earthers to believe powerful forces were withholding secret information. Since then, Satan has found no shortage of marks amongst God's children. But our current technological age has made it possible for conspiracy theories to spread faster than the coronavirus. The online realm, which can promote anti-intellectualism and radical individualism, has become such a breeding ground for these often bizarre, sometimes less bizarre, conspiracies. A prime example of this was an idea first promoted on a French conspiracy website that COVID-19 is caused by the millimeter wave spectrum used by 5G technology. Now, you might assume such a belief to be dumb but harmless, but unfortunately, you'd be wrong. All across Europe, the 5G conspiracy theorists are setting fires targeting cell towers, and in many cases, one recent one in Britain I was reading about, attacking telecom workers who are trying to install such towers. On the pod today, I am joined by the magniloquent Laura Batstone. (laughs) And Laura and I are taking on the unenviable task of talking about conspiracy thinking or critical thinking in an age of conspiracy. How should we, and we as Christians, navigate a time in which there is so much confusion, information, misinformation in the world and how do we move forward in that kind of space as Christian people? Laura, I, I don't know why you were willing to take this on with me, but, but thank you for being here. You know, I think in 45 minutes we're going to solve all these problems. <laughs> I think we've got it. Between you and me, so easy. less than an hour, we're going to figure it out. <laughs> so easy. Now, I should say, uh, I opened uh, the pod here by reading uh, from the beginning of an article by Joe Carter in TGC uh, about this. Joe's been writing quite a few about, uh, pieces about conspiracy theories, got a lot of pushback. And this is one of the issues with talking about conspiracy theories. Some of Laura and I's uh, reservations yeah. is that when you talk about things, people uh, may be inclined to go look them up and fall down the rabbit hole of the thing itself. Or by talking about it, you can reinforce it, embed it deeper into the mind. There's all sorts of sort of problems with tackling this in too much detail. But it is a huge issue. And it is becoming a huge issue, in our experience, in the Christian church. Yes. Every day it seems to be more and more relevant. Every Facebook 
opening every social media every instagram i mean it's it's now become something that is as often or not going to be sometimes even a third or half of what i see when i see things right and in part i think it's because conspiracy theories tend to uh just tap into this like deep desire for people to want to know the secret behind things right um you know the most sort of well-known and certainly the most popular conspiracy theory going right now which is QAnon. uh QAnon is has tapped into so many different channels of people's interests related to the government related to um how people understand the military and the way it works but also just uniquely this online world in which there can be anonymous accounts that could be revealing or telling us mm-hmm. things that we really, really, really need to know. To believe in QAnon, uh, as one writer says, is to believe, among other things, that a cabal of global elites are secretly harming children, that their behavior is propped up by members of the deep state, and that President Trump himself is working to bring their crimes to an end. Adherents learn all of this from Q an anonymous figure who they believe has high military ties who periodically leaves clues on the internet. He is their prophet. That last part, though, about leaving clues, right? right. It's always like this vague, like it's, it's, it's in some ways it feels like it has such an appeal because it sort of gamifies real life and it gamifies terrifying things right i mean child abuse like these kinds of majorly serious real world issues Um, but the appeal maybe we could just talk about what we see as like why is this so appealing to people Um, on one level this gamification thing like what do you think about that angle that it like draws people into I think of like the subscription services like Murder Mystery. Every month yeah. you're going to get a subscription box and you're going to figure out the next thing. Or yep. I don't know if you've done it. Like, have you done escape rooms? No, it's not my, <laughs> not my inst- not high thing. pressure puzzle solving is not. I did it for like a, what was that, a bachelor party? Oh, yeah. And, you know, I did, so I did it with a handful of these guys and stuff and, and, and it was fun. But it was like, this is like, I don't know how many years ago. This was never a thing. No. But like this like live action role playing kind of gamification mm-hmm. of reality seems to be something that has a tremendous appeal. Q has left us clues, literally right. Q's clues. Yep. Like what do you think is is going on there with people who are like wanting to sort of put the puzzle pieces together? It's just like a natural human impulse to want to know things? I think so. I think it is a natural human impulse, you know, because there is this idea of connecting the dots. Our brain wants to connect the dots. There's sure. so many disparate pieces of information and and different parts of reality that we're like, okay, how do I bring these truths together or bring these different ideas together into one state? But yeah, I think people love a good puzzle. I mean, I think it even, maybe this is jumping the gun a little bit, but I think of a situation like, like a WikiLeaks or an Edward Snowden mm-hmm. where you like this information is dumped and you're like, oh, there, what there's, yeah. there's, and like people successfully connect different dots. Mm-hmm. And then you think, well, I could do that too. I can, I can be a part of this. Um, and then at the end, who knows what we'll discover. Right. It, it, it almost has like this, this unlocking of something, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, that idea of, of wanting to connect the dots. But as you said, um, Maybe it's, this is an obvious byproduct of the information age, right? There's just too much stuff, right? It's hard for our brains to take in even the news cycle um, right. as 
always on as it is, right? Mm-hmm. And so just the impulse of our brains to, to be meaning-making machines, symbol-laden machines, like yes. to try to negotiate the sheer volume of stuff we hear, especially when it's conflicting, especially mm-hmm. when, you know, uh, obvious uh, media outlets have a left bias or a right bias, and everyone's yeah. kind of vaguely aware that there's, there's a lot of bias in reportage at certain levels, although that has always been the case it's part of something we're meant to be able to negotiate um but just like this always online reality of there's always more Mm -hmm. there's endless like wormhole of like i've fallen into just wikipedia wormholes right of just like oh there's another hyperlink i'm gonna learn more what do i get out of it laura i don't know i just Mm. keep going i just want to keep going there is yeah there is some sort of high to like discovering there's a rush something that you didn't know before or that connects to something else and you know you just sort of your eyes are open to like wow there's so much to learn reality is like a hyperlink yeah like i got this app the other day called picture this don't know that and it's incredible you take a picture of a plant and it will take like not even a oh. few seconds and it'll tell you what kind of plant it is. Is it right though? So, that's a good question. I should probably cross-reference it with uh, Park Ranger Zach, um, our friend Zach Salazar, um, to see if it is. I think it's pretty good though because it's got a lot really? of reviews and it's okay. a high re- and it's, uh, But it's incredible. But okay, so what it does, it, it makes me like slowly walk around my yard taking mm-hmm. a picture of everything because now I need to know what every single little weed is. Yeah. Right? And our backyard has like a lot of stuff in it. And like, it's like, but it is, it's like, a, it's like, oh my gosh, this is a, this is a sweet gum tree. You know, I didn't know that. And um, now that I know, I can. I <laughs> <laughs> don't know. I can just say I know. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So it is like that mm-hmm. jouissance of just like, I know this now. This mm-hmm. has a name and I know the name. Yes. Right? Like the ability to name something always was co- configured as a way of sort of exercising some sort of control. Yes. Maybe some sort of power over a person or object. Right. Yeah. I've leveled up. Yeah. I leveled up like altered beast. Um, like if you could name, so like if it was a stranger, you don't know, are they bad? Are they good? But if you know their name, if you know where Mm -hmm. they're from, right, you know, a little bit more, you could feel like you're a little more in control of the situation Mm -hmm. than if they're a total wild card. Right. Right. So, okay. So this game, I'm so interested in like the gamification of real life, right? Right. In order to get us to exercise, we need to like have a point system. Mm -hmm. We need to be rewarded, right? We need to have like ding, ding, ding. We need to have all these things. So in part, Conspiracy theories absolutely tap into this like desire, maybe this boredom with real life, right? I mean, our lives like probably in general are pretty mundane, probably feel pretty insignificant. Especially lately. Especially lately. That's an interesting point. So yeah, in the age of the old pandemic, uh, when life is simplified, that could also be life is like boring as heck compared yeah. to what I used to be up to. Mm-hmm. Or at least it seems like it to me. I don't know what to do with myself, so I'm going to go further into the rabbit hole. Okay, so the gamification of ordinary life is is a fascinating maybe hook into this. Why is this so appealing? But then also this thing we're touching on here, secret knowledge. What is so appealing about knowing something that maybe other people don't get or know? Like why is that interesting, do you think, to people? I think it creates, as you said, this, this sort of hierarchy and this now now I understand now and it it promotes security even if it's a false security and that I have some sort of understanding of the narrative that's happening. Like I, I have this sense of control, Mm -hmm. um, at least through knowledge and maybe I don't know how much I can actually act on it, but at least I, I know what's actually going on. I'm not totally in the dark anymore. Um, because I sort of know who some of these actors are pulling the strings behind 
behind set. And so I don't know, that's sort of what I notice in the people who seem to be actively involved in this is that it does come with a sense of sort of righteous anger Mm. um, and like, well, at least I know this. At least I am not ignorant anymore. I'm not a sheeple. I'm not a sheeple. I'm not one of those sheeples. Although as a Christian... You're supposed to be a sheep. I know. Let's think about that. <laughs> we could, we, oh, we could plug that. Okay, so so let's let's unpack that a little bit more. This idea, like you said, of hierarchy. Um, from what I have read, and this is somewhat anecdotal, but because uh, research on conspiracy theories is a relatively new thing as like a social right. phenomenon, right? So it's not like a ton of data necessarily, but it's starting to assemble itself. Um, but it is a very sort of, it's an anti-elite thing. Yes. So it comes from people who are do not consider themselves elite. Mm-hmm. And that in large part can be because they don't have sort of a higher level education training yeah. or, you know, higher level sort of occupations. They don't have, you know, these certain kinds of uh, roles in society. At mm-hmm. least they don't perceive that they do. So it tends to be most active amongst those who've already feel marginalized from yeah. the elites, whatever that might mean. Um, but it's a way of feeling elite, right? It's a way of feeling like, ah, I, I have this power, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is why I think it can be impervious trying to talk someone out of it if, if you're like, how could you be so dumb or what's wrong with, you know? Because these are, in some cases, there are already people who feel like they've been rejected by what is sort of like in or what is sort of like high status, high, you know, education, erudite, whatever. So they're not in any way even bothered. It's like that just reinforces the whole point, right? Yeah. Is I've already been rejected. I've already been marginalized. There is a study I was reading that, um, that the communities where people who have experienced just like more oppression, like more, you know, just like more hardship are right. are just across the board more likely to be more paranoid. Uh, yeah. Can't, and some for very obvious and justifiable reasons cannot trust, right, what they're hearing because they're so used to being lied to, et cetera, et cetera. So that mentality of maybe... I've always been mistreated or I've been lied mm-hmm. to or I'm not I'm not in the in crowd. I don't in that inner ring or that inner circle or whatever. Um, and so so I'm going to try to tap into having something that I can stand on that makes me feel like I I am not low anymore. Right. Or some kind of ennobling thing. Yeah. I think when you talk about that inner ring, that's a huge part of it. And I think of, of C.S. Lewis's discussion of the inner ring. Um, I forget what book that is an essay in um and then also how it expresses itself in that hideous strength but this idea of he talks about the inner ring and it's this group who who know whatever it is or who are in and being outside of that is always terrifying whether you're eight years old and aren't wearing the right shoes or whether you're 50 years old and you realize like oh i didn't go to the fancy college all these other people around me did and so You'll try to ingratiate yourself to that community to be this this inside, this in the know. Um, and that's super attractive. And like you said, primarily that's been the area of academic, elite, powerful, rich people. Mm. But suddenly we have this way that there can be an inner ring of people who have never had that kind of power and authority. So... Um, yeah, it, it's fascinating the way that those things tend to pair together of judgment of sort of this quote unquote academic elite, but then also like we're going to create our own version of elite, but we're we're homegrown and therefore more reliable. Right. So it is a form of imitation or envy, um, 
but reproduces sort of like the 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 inverse kind of version of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then that taps into another one of the deep appeals about all of this, which is the community that forms. Yes. Right. And this is profound across the the, the spectrum, um, number of different kinds of beliefs. But like, um, you know, when moms uh, attach themselves to sort of the vaccines cause autism argument, you had like a, 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 I mean, it started, you know, with a paper that was retracted and it started with, Mm. with some, some bad science, bad reportage, bad, um, (laughs) <laughs> it started with something that was not true and mm-hmm. had to sort of be taken back. But what it created was um, people who had suffered usually traumatic mm-hmm. experiences of their children, uh, you know, changing before their eyes or their children, right. you know, seemingly being harmed. You know, one day, you know, little Johnny seemed like this and then later. And this is like my child, like the most deeply personal things. And then it became a series of sharing on message boards and, you know, of like, this is my experience, this is my experience. Yeah. How do you deny the power of someone's experience with their own child, right? Like the, the power of that created this insanely deep, close community that has now become, I mean, this enormous thing. But Facebook groups of people, you know, in the dozens of thousands, right, of, yeah. of people, moms in particular, who are like, yeah, you know, who have like found each other and have strengthened these ties of community. It's mm-hmm. offering community in a um, in a fragmented time in the hyper individualist age. Like the yeah. internet, the, the thing that kind of keeps us from one another on some level has also become a way of finding people who think just like me in this particular way, which is a deep, potentially a deep form of attachment, right? Right, and that that idea of. I thought I was alone or on the fringe in this, but actually now I have this community of people who are in agreement and who are supportive and and we are the marginalized, but we will be together. Um, I'll support you. And when when the legislation or the news article or whatever comes down against us, um, we can rope together and we can be a movement and we can be powerful which again, this is all stemming from like good impulses. Like it's right. good to want to be in community and to have people who support you and uphold you. Um, but when it's based on, on sort of something that is either faulty or, or fear-based, that's when it sort of becomes and oftentimes more codependent than I think like empowering. So this, the kinds of appeals of, of the sort of fringe, but now more mainstream conspiratorial sort of thinking is it's rooted in a lot of reality it's rooted in a lot of experience of um the injustice of certain systems or institutions um the the hypocrisy of leadership right Mm -hmm. i mean there's all sorts of things you could continually point at to say well how could you trust that right Right. um so it's grounded in enough that it it can constantly sustain itself but it's also because it's grounded in good things like uh or at least good things in in their forms of community of belonging Mm -hmm. of the desire that people have to feel like they're a part of something now it is worth just just you know, really emphasizing everyone should read that essay by Lewis called The Inner Ring. Yeah. Um, and then if you haven't read That Hideous Strength, oh, please. Um, <laughs> like, it really is amazing to watch in That Hideous Strength, which is sort of the fictionalized version of the essay, um, how any one of us, yeah, in any moment, the most ordinary moment of a, of a joke, a comment, something that said, I mean, that's what's so vivid to me. It's one of my, my favorite books of all time, That Hideous Strength, because... 
it's in a it's in a college setting, which is a setting I, I lived and moved in for 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 too long, uh, but for decades. I mean, really, and 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 to feel the the willingness of any human heart to want to belong, to want to connect, to want to go along with something that doesn't seem like it's that bad or even bad at all to just sort of be a part of something like mm-hmm. you said the, like the grown-up version of the kid who wants to fit in like the fact that that doesn't leave when you get to be an adult mm-hmm. was like you know it's almost like a revelation when you if you haven't been thinking about yourself in those terms like peer pressure you know from childhood and stuff like that the compelling nature of feeling like i'm no longer on the outside i'm right. no longer on the fringe um, but that there are other people who get it, who are, you know, who, who kind of like mm-hmm. can affirm me and can kind of yeah. give me a place in the world. Um, and, and, and now this does kind of tip us into a little bit of like the Christian thing, right? Right. Because what you and I have been so struck by is not that there are conspiracy theories, like, of course, right? Yeah. <laughs> the world is a wild place and, you know. And it it's is, been flat and we didn't land on the moon for a long time. P.S. Yeah, and exactly. JFK forever. For years. Right, forever. Um, and I was reading like conspiracy theories about King George the third, like, wow. you know, like just some wild stuff about the secret plan to enslave all Americans, you know, by mm-hmm. King George the third, you know, like that, that there's always been this kind of thinking, especially sort of anti-elite, anti-institutional, mm-hmm. you know, just sort of like, don't trust anyone kind of stuff. We get that. We yeah. totally get that. It can be dangerous, scary, whatever. And so we're, we we're concerned about that. I'm not surprised by that. What's a little more surprising, maybe is is how much Christians have sort of um, blended into these places and blended into this sort of thinking. Yeah. And surprising maybe on some level because uh, well, Christians are meant to have a community in which they have a place and Christ has given them a place regardless of their, they don't need elite status. They are, right? It doesn't matter what gender, doesn't matter what class, doesn't matter what race, doesn't matter, right? Like the, right. the body of Christ is this incredible thing that the Lord, this new community um, where everyone has a place of belonging that is as valuable as anyone else's, no matter what they've been told anywhere else, right? And so like, it's hard to see when Christians attached to another kind of community looking for things that we are meant to find in the body of Christ, it's hard to see some of those kind of blurred lines, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, there is something in Christians that, you know, because we believe the, uh, so the world has fallen, right? It's broken. Uh, We're in sin. We're totally <laughs> depraved. Everyone's depraved. And so you, how can you trust anyone then, Laura? Like, how can I trust anyone if everyone's a sinner? And, and, and then if, if Satan's the prince of this earth... Laura, then how can I possibly believe in the institutions of this earth that they're not driven by powers and principalities in the air? Paul Paul says that's what we wrestle against. It's not right. We're not wrestling against people. We're wrestling against these dark forces, right? Yeah. So there is like this Christian dimension where these things, if not carefully handled, could just sort of all be mashed together. Where do you see this affecting sort of ordinary Christians, or like, or where do you see maybe? Um, why do you think that is the case? Do you think that it is part of the Christian mindset in the way we're talking about? It's an easy extension. Yeah, I mean, I wish I wish I had a, a better answer, a solution to this one because it's honestly one of the toughest things that I don't, I'm not 100% sure how to address because mm. I do believe that like sin is systemic in us and in our structures, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't lead me to abandon it all, right? So... Um, so I have, I have a really hard time finding that balance in, 
in my life and in my ministry of how do I, how do I encourage a healthy view of systems and structures that doesn't, that isn't just purely optimistic and like totally, you know, Pollyanna while also keeping the people I, I'm supposed to steward from throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And so I don't know. I think there is something sort of inherent in modern evangelicalism. I mean, to throw it back, I think probably some of it stems from the Martin Luther, like, this is my conscience and I can do no other. What, mm. did it, what is the quote? I'm messing it Here up. Here I stand. Here yeah. I stand. I yeah, can yeah. do no other. Like, I have to follow my conscience. Right. And so what else can I do? Which, um, I mean, obviously... So a, sort of a hyper-focus on Protestant individualism. Right. And, and I just can't, you know, if my conscience won't let me, then I, then I can't. I'm stuck. And yeah, then yeah. I'm stuck. And so I, in my own life, I, I am working through the process of trying to discern what structures and systems do I need to distrust and move away from? And what structures and systems do I um, need to not put faith in, mm-hmm. but to acknowledge the common grace of hmm. wisdom and intelligence um, and not, not to just view everything as totally corrupt. So I, I don't view the medical establishment as completely corrupt. Right. Are there corrupt doctors like Dr. Death? You know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, does that mean that every nurse and doctor is out for their own gain or is just prescribing you medication for the money? No, I can't, I can't go there. Um, I have brothers and sisters in Christ who are in the medical field who would never, you know? And so it's, but it is that weird tension of we have all seen these structures fall um, or we have seen people within it cause the problem. And so how do we then operate in a way with, I don't even know if I want to use the phrase healthy skepticism, Hmm. but again, always remembering that, like God is sovereign in that. So even if this person I've trusted betrays me, it's not because I was naive. Right. Yeah. The, 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 the most dangerous thing is not for me to protect myself from being a sheeple. Right. right. Like that's not the lead story here. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you're saying, we have to be able to be in the world, mm-hmm. participate in the world yeah. for the sake of the world, even or especially because of the world's right. brokenness and our brokenness in that space. But that there is common grace and in that institutions as such. And that's, I think, maybe the danger of conspiracy thinking can be the black or white, the either or nature, mm-hmm. either, right? All doctors can be trusted. And how could you be so foolish to think that? Or no doctors can be trusted. And, mm-hmm. and so, and it always feels more sophisticated to be more cynical. Right? Yes, it it does. always feels like, well, I'm not going to fall for anything because I'm going to not believe in any of those things. Right. How could you possibly be so naive? Right. Mm-hmm. So it always is sort of like the more affected posture to say like, oh, I'm just, I'm just a radical skeptic, you know? Right. And yet I, there's no, buy-in like there's no accountability to that right on something exactly you can just be totally an outsider and i mean this is a whole nother tangent but i think this plays into the discussion uh that i I know you've seen recently and i've seen as well of like christians totally removing themselves and like doing the homestead thing of like i'm out (laughs) yeah i'm gonna just gonna start a new uh, yeah i'm just gonna start a new in a new place Mm -hmm. where i can protect myself and my family from any outside influence 
Which is funny because if the argument is that, you know, man is sinful and we're inherently sinful, so we can't trust these systems and we can't trust all these outsiders, that also means you can't trust you, Hmm. right? So you could move your family off to a new state, a new wilderness. I hear people are going to Idaho. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm not even going to say what I hear because, huh. yeah. Um, and, and so, but that's you, sort of denying the idea that maybe the worst influence on your kid could be you. Whoa, <laughs> like, that's a great point. Like, it may yeah, not be the doctor. Point. It may not be the news media. Like, I have to acknowledge that if, especially if you're somebody who believes in the doctrine of original sin and total depravity, like isolation isn't going to solve that. What if the, what if your kid is inherently broken? You don't have to protect him from anything else. He's just broken as he is. Right. Um, and so, yeah, so I think you have to acknowledge, and I'm getting some of this ideas from Eula, Bl- uh, Eula Biss, her book on immunity. She's talked about how we have to view ourselves as both vulnerable and contagious. Like, That's I, lovely. I, I am vulnerable. Like, I have innocence and purity in certain areas, but I'm also corrupt and contagious in other areas. And we have to hold those two things in tension. Right. Um, otherwise, we are going to, yeah, do the black and white. It's, a, it's a, such a great point. And it is also so sort of, um, you know, sort of periodically typical of Christians to get increasingly sort of fundamentalist and withdrawn from the evil world that Hollywood's going to literally ruin our children, right? Right. Um, and, and yet you get to places like, I think of Tara Westover's Educated, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You, get, you get into these extreme places where like the family that thought it alone could be trusted because of that move becomes so deranged because they're so insulated mm-hmm. from reality, right? Mm-hmm. Like they no longer can trust anything. And then as you say, but hadn't considered that they couldn't trust themselves, mm-hmm. right? And that, so maybe this is, this is, the, this is a through line for us. W- accountability. Yeah. What are we given to be accountable for? Because I think what you and I are both sort of reticent about in discussing conspiracy theories, and even when I just said the anti-vax thing, I could just I could feel an army of people that They're I know and love you. being like, "You haven't read this most recent whatever." Right? Yeah. Um, it's it's we're talking about a mentality, mm-hmm. right? And we're talking about something else, and, and that not a particular sort of thing exactly right not a particular instance or moment of it right we're talking about mentality and and where uh, so alan jacobs uh in uh, one of his posts about conspiracy thinking mentioned that one of the appeals of it is that there are no costs yeah there is no accountability it's all benefit no cost mm-hmm. so That's if you're wrong it doesn't matter you just move on to the next thing you, you, you nobody gets back on facebook and says hey i was sharing that video and uh my gosh, was I wrong, right? Like, I really want to, I don't know how many people saw it. I don't know what kind of conversations followed from it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it stirred, if it stirred fear or if it stirred uh, anger. Um, but all of those were false things that, that I'm responsible for. And yeah. I, I just want to apologize. And I want to be more careful. Like, I've never seen that post. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So his point was, one of the one of the biggest temptations or uh, excitements about this is there's no cost to it. It's all benefit. You just come out of feeling like you know more. And if you actually turn out to have been wrong about something, well, but yeah, but, but what about this, right? It's always just another thing that can give you that feeling of connected to the big community, uh, secret knowledge, all the things we've been talking about, ways of explaining life to yourself yeah, without any costs, right? Mm-hmm. And better to put it out there hey. 
than than not and have it be real. I'm just asking, what do you guys think of this? Is usually yeah. how the posts will go, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not going to own it too personally because I don't know. But I thought this was interesting. Might be another way that these things are presented, right? Mm-hmm. And that is another way of saying I'm not accountable for this, yeah. right? And I don't know that people mean it that way. But that was Alan Jacobs's point, which I thought was so sort of insightful. Is that there is there's no cost to you if you're wrong, right? Right. It's just a, it's like a game, and yet it's about these super serious things. But mm-hmm. the way it's being handled is like it's this game without accountability. So maybe going back to kind of what you were saying about. And sort of the Christians who are so skeptical of the world as the world that they just continually withdraw, whether they move and withdraw or they just withdraw internally mm-hmm. and say, I don't trust anyone, right? Or whatever it might be and how that can be so malformed. Maybe instead we could ask the question, for what has the Lord asked us to be responsible yeah. and accountable? Right. Because um, another one of these aspects is that people with bipolar disorder, people um, with uh, schizoaffective disorder, people with dementia, with Alzheimer's, are disproportionately affected by conspiracy theories. It's true. Right? They are harmed in a way that maybe for you and I, it is just sort of funny, crazy, meme and we can just sort of share it and, it, and, and leave and it move behind. On, and yeah. it doesn't hardly touch us. Right. But people, and, and because virtually everyone is online these days, um, there are enormous numbers of communities of people with mental health challenges that are terrified and affected at levels. And I've seen this personal people that I am close to, like how it has changed the way they lived because they believed a few yeah. of these stories and and they their whole world just starts to close in and it becomes constant fear-based, constant can't trust anyone. It is so damaging to certain people. It's true. And yet there isn't like that an accounting for that. Like, right. well, who am I influencing if I share this? Mm-hmm. Who am I affecting potentially if I just put this out there, right? Right. And so maybe that is a way we could make that turn to like, what do we do with this? What do we what do we do to negotiate a world in which these things are going to be constantly shared by family, friends, by all sorts of people, people in our church mm-hmm. um, to ask ourselves the question first. Right. Like, what am I actually accountable for? Because I think you were suggesting before, like you can't know everything. No, and I can't act on everything I know. And either. you can't act on everything. And and so. So, yeah, you're not going to be a. a social sort of activist warrior for all of the things that you have shared Mm -hmm. but then maybe the question would be well then why are you sharing them or what is it doing like what is this act doing because thinking about it as something that you would have to account for Mm -hmm. or you know without sounding overly dramatic but for christians answer to the lord for exactly just like anything else because the, the bible really does have a really strong sort of uh, uh, place for something that is called, for example, slander, right? right? Um, and what usually is uh, tied to conspiracy theories is like the naming of names, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this, but Bill Gates is trying to, he's weaponized the virus so that he can create a vaccine, which is the mark of the beast that we all have to take in the one world government. Which I saw a, a friend post today, but Bill Gates doesn't need to do that. Steve Jobs already did it and sold it to you for a thousand bucks, and you bought it. <laughs> and we bought it. Sheeple. Yeah. Okay. So, but it, it'll name names like the recent right. stuff with uh, the the sex trafficking stuff. Mm-hmm. Just starts naming celebrities, right? Yeah. Tom Hanks, you know, uh, Oprah Winfrey, whatever, right? Like, and but it it's unsubstantiated, right? Right. It's memified, 
There aren't mm-hmm. sources. There's no trial. There's no, right? Like all the things sort of Americans are supposed to like, hey, we're a little different right. because we're innocent until proven guilty. Right. Or, all that's or, out yeah. the window. Right? Or a recent one that I said a name of a woman um, and then went after a woman who had the same name, fairly common name, different woman entirely, and like ruined the other woman's life because she happened to also be named, you know, that the same as somebody who maybe did something bad. I don't even know. But yeah, I think that's been something that's been most persuasive to me in this season um, as Christians. The idea of slander or totally dishonoring a stranger over something that you can't actually know um, is really scary. I think, I mean, I think of those verses where Jesus says, you know, calling someone fool is equivalent mm-hmm. to murdering them, like with your, your words. Mm. And so how do we then openly say, well, this person is a murderer, this person is a pedophile, this person is X, Y, Z, and then think we aren't accountable for those words in some way, shape, or form? Um, And how do we do that consistently, daily, weekly, without thinking that it will affect our soul? Right. Um, And without thinking that sort of it will twist the way we view everyone who's not in that inner ring everybody who's not in that inner ring is going to be a potential threat right um and so that's something that's been incredibly persuasive to me you know it's the old school internet thing of like would you say it to their face like if i saw tom hanks on the street who's a national treasure <laughs> i would like a i christian i would ne- is he <laughs> yeah oh i don't know yeah. i like and I think that also goes back to the digital. Like, you would never say this to their face. You yeah. would never walk up to him while he's with his grandkids and, you know. Um, and so that has been extremely persuasive to me. That has been something that we have sort of talked about in my church a little bit. And to go back to your to your earlier point, my my church often discusses the idea for pastors and elders, the verse that says, shepherd the flock that is among you. Yeah. You're not required to be an internet pastor and shepherd the entire world. You're supposed to shepherd the flock that is among you. Amen. And I think about that with conspiracy theories and with activism and the internet age. I'm only responsible to the people among me. I can't be, I can't be responsible to European Twitter. Like I can't. (laughs) Right. right? And so if I'm not posting about X, Y, or Z, it's taken as a sign that I don't care about it or I'm, uninvested in it but in reality there's so much more power to supporting like the things in my community the needs of my community the businesses in my community that is actually where my identity is formed and shaped and in those daily actions amongst the people who actually know me I can't be accountable to and I can't be aware about aware of everything that happens every day all over the world and that pressure just seems to be mounting um whether it's about a conspiracy theory or about natural disasters like i can't attend to every just the news cycle yeah yeah just this always on everywhere all the time and so a lot of these conspiracy theories to me like what do you want me to do about it what what am i how is this supposed to affect my daily life and I think that's where, you, like you said, you have a pretty huge divide. I have a lot of people in my life who believe in conspiracy theories, and it hasn't changed the way they live at all. Hmm. Um, but as you said, there are the people who 
Like, if you actually believe that, then you probably should take action. Like, right. if that's if that's true, right. and then they do, and then it's scary or alarming. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, well, how can I be responsible to my community of people, my church, where I live, and not feel myself responsible to the entire United States and or world? Yeah, I love how you made that turn to, um, I mean, to shepherding the flock among you and that language of what you you talk about at your church. Because, it, you know, when Paul talks to Timothy and when he talks to Titus about shepherding the flock that they have been sort of sent to, called by, etc., you know, one of the points he makes to both of them is whatever you do, do not engage in myths and endless mm-hmm. speculation, right? Yeah. Like that this is, this is a huge, like, vacuum of your actual life energy it is <laughs> right like such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing god's work first timothy one three four you could go to six on this one um, and then in titus titus three at one time we too were foolish disobedient mm-hmm. deceived enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures we lived in malice and envy being hated and hating one another but when the kindness and love of god our savior appeared he saved us not because of righteous things we had done but because of his mercy he saved us through washing of rebirth and renewal by the holy spirit whom he poured out on us generously through christ our savior so that having been justified by his grace we might become heirs of the hope of eternal life all this is preamble this is a trustworthy saying and i want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in god may be careful to devote themselves this is back to you to doing what is good these things are excellent and profitable for anyone but avoid foolish controversies endless genealogies arguments and quarrels about the law so for their context um hyper you know well hyper mystical readings of the law hyper sort of theological you know vain speculations um, because they are unprofitable and useless warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time after that have nothing to do with them you may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. Oh, a man. divisive person. How would we? The <laughs> emails are being how, written right How would we now. even have friends, Laura? Well, <laughs> what and does then it mean? Going down to verse 14. Go. Uh, I don't What translation am I looking at? NIV. Yep. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. Ugh. Mm. I'm, I mean, I'm convicted by that. Like, Amen. Are, what are what are the urgent needs in my community, and it's not it's not Illuminati. That's not an urgent need in my community. It's just not urgent need in my community is you know the increasing number of homelessness. The urgent need in our community is how are we going to teach teach students in a pandemic? Right. Yeah, Those are yeah. how am I going to minister to the women in my church during a pandemic? Right. Those are the mm-hmm. urgent needs in my community, um, and. I just, yeah, I'm convicted by that on how am I spending my time, whether that's whether that's Netflix or whether that's, sure. it's anything. It's not even just conspiracy theories, but it's that wake-up call we need where he talks about, you know, the time is short. Right, it's wasteful. Wake up. Like, wasteful and useless. Is right? it, wake up, sheeple. The time wake is short. Wake up, sheeple. You yeah, know? yeah. And that is and that that is the clear direction. So there is absolute condemnation in Scripture about slander. Right. I mean, yes. Proverbs six, God hates slander. Uh, Paul says in Romans one thirty that those who hate God 
are those who slander, right? He like flips it around. James calls it demonic behavior in James 3, 15 and 16. Like there's no room for this, right? Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 43 to 48. You know, there, there's no, we're not even supposed to slander our enemies, right? According to Jesus. Right. We're not even supposed to slander bad people, right? <laughs> we're supposed to say, God, forgive them. They yes, don't know what we're they're doing. Yes, we're supposed to pray for them and love them, right? Like there literally is no room mm-hmm. in the Christian life for that kind of speech and that kind of posture behavior, right? right? And to the extent that any or all of us probably have engaged in that, we're meant to repent mm-hmm. and say, oh man, that is the opposite of what my Lord commands. So that that needs to be clear as day. Um, and then that, and then the warning about, now the more subtle warning, as you're making the point of, and as he's saying also to Timothy and Titus, because, and, and that is the subtlety is really important, because for them, in part, their endless speculations are hyper-religious like mm. arguments, right? Yeah. They seem on their face to do with righteousness or they mm-hmm. seem to do with godliness, right? This has been such a, a hook into the Christian heart when it comes to certain of these sort of theories right. that are going around. It's about protecting children. For goodness sake, how could you be against that? Right. And yet in an in a article you know, that the Times ran, talking about those organizations that have been fighting to protect children from sex trafficking forever and now these major conspiracy groups have like piggybacked onto that one of the things that was said that i thought was so helpful by one of the leaders of a legitimate um, organization that's been protecting children from this horrible reality because it is a reality is um the worry we have is not that some elite cabal of celebrities somewhere is has a pedophile ring, right? The worry is that it is your neighbors and your relatives, it is families right. and, and that harm their kids, right? It's it's that it's closer to home, mm-hmm. and this becomes a way of not dealing with its reality right. by pointing to those elites over there and spending or wasting all this time trying to puzzle out how right. Epstein's island had certain people on it at certain times and when was this happening. Uh-huh. Because the the very real issues of sin, the very real issues of brokenness, the very real issues that need dealt with are in our homes and our community. They're right here, right, right here. And Those are the things we're accountable for. And I mean, the you know, thinking about Christine Kane when we we heard her speak in yeah, the past yeah. year or two, and they're talking about how she's she's uh, well known in in the anti human trafficking world mm-hmm. and as. Cha- uh, saving girls from sex trafficking all over the world. And she was talking about how, you know, so the the biggest areas where we see human trafficking happening in our state and in our world is in the American foster care system. Like, those, those are really tangible needs in our community. Yes. Like, okay, how can you support those kids rather than worrying about theoretical kids? Mm-hmm. Like, we know that we know that our Hershey's chocolate actually comes through slave labor. Like we know these are things that yeah. are easily proven. Yeah. Um, like what I mentioned, we know that China is using Uyghur slave labor. Like these are things right. we know. Right. And they're not speculation. We don't have to connect any dots. No. It's just a known. So um, how do we behave in accordance with those everyday, how I shop at my supermarket, how I buy my clothes, who, what organizations I support in my community, those are actually way more productive than speculation and posting on the internet. Mm-hmm. And and then the so there because there are these dramatic things that are happening in our actual in the actual spheres of life we are accountable for, and to 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 be blind to that for the sake of a dramatic story about those people somewhere else is just a huge huge miss huge mistake, right? Um, so but but then bringing it down to that even more sort of local 
level of are those day-to-day actions i love what you just said about like well where where do you buy your clothes like where you know like and and it's not that you have to be everything's so perfect and everything right. you do is Impossible. like it's exhausting right mm-hmm. um but it is to say if you're a christian asking the lord like to the extent that you would spend any amount of time online trying to find out or watching anything right um asking the lord just pointed questions like what do you want me to focus on right mm-hmm. i can only focus on a few things in life and i doubt there's 27 you know horrific sins the lord wants me to focus on right like there may be something that's really hurting people in my community or the people in my church how can i help them or as you say like the local our foster care system or something like this right where we have people in our churches who are coming out of or into that that world or connected to that looking in that local space to say what is the good okay mm-hmm. not just where is the sin because that's another like endless yeah. black hole right yeah like you will just you'll you'll die a very sad slow death if you right. just want to become a sin expert you had mentioned in our previous chat you know like the jesus in, injunction to be what shrewd as serpents yeah innocent as doves innocent as doves we're not supposed to be experts at sin you know, we're not supposed to be professional online researchers into the darkness of this world. Right. We are supposed to put our mind on the noble things, the good things, things that are that are from above, right? As Paul says. Right. So, so to pursue, so to even just frame it in a way that says, if we are focused on our local sphere, what we are actually accountable for, and our speech, even our posting, especially our posting online, we want to always ask like do I want to be accountable for this? Like for what this does to people who read it or for any impact it might have on anybody who kind of comes across this. Mm -hmm. Um, What will the fruit be? Like, is it, is it, is it, is it promoting in me, you know, peace and patience and love? Or, I mean, as I've noticed with most people who post about this, they just seem to get really, really angry. There seems to be a rage. Right. But I I have a question for you on that, Mm. which is, you know, we have this example of Jesus seeing people selling in the temple. And so he builds a whip and drives them out. Sure. Right? He sees evil. He sees corruption. Yeah. So to what degree should that, you know, even if, it, even if it's just a hint of corruption, shouldn't I get on that righteous anger and like put on the boxing gloves and go for it? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I think that my sort of goal uh, for this pod, but also in a lot of the other things that I do, is to take seriously that um, Jesus's uh, uh, anger in the moments where he does express it is almost exclusively pointed at those who are meant to know God, those yeah. who are meant to be yeah. his witnesses. So I am I am always interested in where is the church and its witness being waylaid or being lost or being corrupted to to put your own house in order as it were so as a pastor but just as a christian like i am not like out here to save the world without the blood of christ right to like talk the world into somehow being christian in their ethic without them having a radical conversion because of jesus love yeah like so so my goal is almost always uh you know the thing the community at, at hand for us is the church is us and it's to say and that's why like you know the podcast you know like I could have a lot of people on. We could talk about all sorts of things, and I'm interested in all sorts of things, but um, I'm most interested in Christians being Christians and Christians having a Christian witness so that 
our unbelieving neighbor um, who oftentimes is trying really hard to live a decent life or do the good or whatever um, actually has us as a witness to the hope of Jesus and, and us as a as a as a seasoning and us as a, as a place of light as a place of love as a place of the Lord's peace mm-hmm. um, so you know Jesus is driving people out of the temple and he is he is holding people to account because they claim to know him and they claim to work and serve in the place of prayer, right? And so so that's where I am like, okay, if we could just encourage ourselves, check ourselves. Like, you and I don't want to get on here and just be like, oh, I know these Christians who just post this stuff, you know, like, because that could just be another way of, of sort of, uh, you know, of outsourcing yeah. um, and our frustration. Inflating or, the superiority complex. And acting like, oh, we get it, right? So you, we don't want to fall into the trap of that we're, that we're seeing as problematic. And so I want to be able to ask the question and say, like what you said, boy, that really, that really convicts me. Like, mm-hmm. oh, man, that really, you know, when I, when I read these scriptures, <laughs> when I read these scriptures about like endless vain speculations about theological topics, for Uh-oh. example, I think of like, oh, this is like eighty percent of my seminary education. I spent a lot of money doing that, uh, you know. But I also right. think of like knockdown, drag out fights over like the interpretation of a passage and some whatever about Nephilim or some, you know, just like right. some crazy like like subworld of <laughs> of not loving somebody, yeah, and not mm-hmm. actually saying like, hey, how are you? Like, what's go- are, are you doing mm-hmm. okay? How's your family? Like asking not real questions, but asking like pet hobby like let's get into this you know (laughs) which is so ostracizing so ostracizing i think that tends to well this is a whole nother thing but that's just that's a very ostracizing practice because then it it again it becomes an inner ring of like people who've studied this and who know the greek and if you don't know the greek you can't really engage in the conversation (laughs) can you which is i mean it's not dissimilar again to the conspiracy theory world of where I don't even know how to confront people on it because I haven't researched the thing. And so in their minds, I don't have the credentials to even talk to them about it because I, you haven't, you haven't done the research on X, Y, or Z. Um, so you can't even engage in it. And it's like, no, as we said, like what we're trying to get at is this underlying mentality that whether it is radical knockdown drag out debates about baptism or knock down drag it drag out debates about the flat earth or whatever like there's tends to be a similar motivation and a similar um discord that happens in in all those situations and how do we how do we deal with that in ourselves in our community and and sort of what's the what's the point yeah what's the point and that's it to follow what the scripture says about what a decent honorable Christian life would be is to radically simplify things that we are all doing and Mm -hmm. is to radically call into account things that we have not accounted for and been accountable to. And I exhort myself, like I can think of a billion things right now that I've said or posted or whatever over the years that just flew out there and there they go and ha 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 or you know <laughs> whatever right right like that that's like oh like i mean that's like like rumor and chaucer's like uh was it house of rumor <laughs> what's, it, what's that beautiful poem um you know he talks about rumor like it it just like slips in mm-hmm. the window you know and it's like it's everywhere and then it travels out all through the right. city and before you know it like 
someone's reputation is gone. Yeah. And it's, you didn't even realize what you had done because you were, you were just chatting to so-and-so, your buddy, you know, about whatever. <laughs> the, I mean, the ancient world was the same, right? Ancient Greeks and Romans, they had the goddess rumor. Yeah. Who would like had, you know, a million eyes and had her wings uh, and she was just always listening and looking. Incredible. So I think for all of us, we, we want to say, Lord, what is my little life meant to be about? Right. right? What handful of things am I meant to put my mind to, my heart to, my hand to? And the scriptures gives us quite a bit about what it shouldn't be about. And it gives us a quite a bit about what it should be about. You know, are we focused on during the day putting our minds to things that are good? Are we focused on during the day thinking of people with charity and with love, even or especially if we radically disagree with them? Uh, and this would go for how we view maybe those who have handled conspiracy theories, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, do they just become for me some category of bad person who's ruining everything? Like, oh no, these Christians over here, et cetera. Like, I have to make sure that I am not creating that within my own heart. And then, and then what's beautiful about this is the Lord has called all of us to a particular life. It's mm-hmm. not like, oh, you're just sort of guess along the way. Right. You know, should I be up to this? And it's overwhelming and who knows, paralysis of choice. <laughs> it is like the Lord, you know, we are his sheep and we are meant to know his voice. He's our good shepherd. And if we lack wisdom, we're meant to ask him. And exactly. he is that personal with us that he could say, I don't want you spending time doing this. I want you to close that. I want you to sign off from that platform forever. <laughs> he, right. he could say that to an individual. I don't have to say, hey, everyone, no one should be on social media. I can, like the Lord can talk to us as individuals of what he requires of us, what he wants for us, what we can handle, what we shouldn't handle. Mm-hmm. Um, you had mentioned a verse that you had uh, liked a lot. So, yeah, First Thessalonians 4. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring him those who have fallen asleep. And yeah, so I I love how it it starts off with lead a quiet life, walk properly towards outsiders because Mm. the coming of the Lord, like we we will be resurrected. Our, Our bodily life matters. And we, he was coming to, to resurrect and to fix those things that were broken and wake up, wake up the sleeping. Um, yeah, and it's just a hard verse. I mean, I've had a lot of conversations about this verse recently. How, living a quiet life, does that mean I, I just keep my mouth shut? Does that mean I'm, I'm ignorant to the, the real injustice happening in the world? No. But you live in light of the fact that Jesus is coming back and that there are people who are asleep um, and they're not asleep about power <laughs> structures in right, the world. Right? right. They're they're asleep about the reality of of God's kingdom. And so we need to wake them up to that, not to any other kingdom or the inner workings of any kingdoms here. Right. It's it's irrelevant in comparison. Right. When I, yeah. When I was, I don't know, eight or nine. um, I listened to, did you ever listen to Adventures in Odyssey? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, so I listened obsessively as a child. And I remember the verse, it must have been in the NIV because I always remembered the way it said, make it your ambition 
to lead a quiet life mm-hmm. like that and in the way you in your translation to strive right mm-hmm. that you and we both are basically saying this that you you have to be really 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 intentional mm-hmm. about what you take in about what you do about what you're willing to account before God for right like that you really have to like kind of think that through pray that through for some people like write down like okay what do i know the lord has called me to mm-hmm. and what do i know he hasn't called me to right. and where there's gray area i need to pray and ask him about those things if i'm not sure mm-hmm. but that you have to make it an intentional part of your your life and your life's rhythm to ask the lord what does my quiet life look like where i can kind of till the soil in front of me care for the people you've given to my care um, especially if they're in extremely difficult circumstances and require more attention, more care, more resources. Um, but that, that would be my ongoing ambition, not to lead a famous life, not mm-hmm. to lead a all-knowing life, not right. to lead a, um, you know, sort of, yeah, non-sheeple <laughs> uh, life of, of cool sort of skepticism. And if I'm, if I'm, if I am naive, right? If, if, I, Laura, am totally naive and ignorant. I, I think there's grace for that too. Yeah. Right? I, I don't think that. And at the pearly gates, the Lord will say, you had the wrong knowledge hmm. about X, Y, or Z in the 21st century America. Like hmm. that's so, so singularly focused. I, he has, he has grace for the areas where I, I do not till the ground around me as I should. And so I, I, my worth and my value is not based on me um, n- reading the right news sources. Right. Yeah, I don't think there's any better way to say it than to just reread these, these couple verses to close here. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life, your ordinary life, may win the respect of outsiders. And as you said, Laura, so that they might have a witness of mm. the real thing that matters most, which is the return of our Lord, and that they would be found in him on that day and not somewhere else. Thank you so much for thank tackling you for having me. <laughs> such a big topic. And thank you, my friends, for listening in. That's our time, my friends. If you would like to support the podcast, please do subscribe and rate us on iTunes. And if you would like even more content and to become a patron of the podcast, head on over to FromBabylonWithLove.com, click on newsletter, and sign up there. Until then, many thanks to producer Zach Leach for all the twists and turns, and to Lonesome and Muddy, the only house band that'll survive the apocalypse. This has been From Babylon with Love.